You are awesome, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I love the power of God that I feel in the house today. Esther chapter 2. I'm going to look at one verse of scripture, and then I'm going to let you be seated. We're going to be looking at Esther 2, verse number 7. Here's what it says. Now Mordecai was acting as the guardian of Hadassah. Everybody say acting. He was acting as the guardian of Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for neither her father nor her mother was alive. Y'all remember last week when God was talking to Joshua and he said, Josh, Mo's dead. Esther, mom and dad aren't here anymore. It's time for you to realize who you are. Real quick, before you're seated, let's lift our hearts and our hands. God, we love you. ask that you would come alive in this place today. Let your word that is already anointed go deep into the heart of every one of us. Change us from the inside out in the name that is above every name. If you're going to preach with me, say amen. amen. And you can be seated. I am excited about today. I want to first say Buena Asafiwe to all of my family in Kenya, all nine locations of NOLA Church all throughout the nation of Kenya. Come on, y'all. Let's give them a hand. Praise. Praise God. Ashley and her family in Melbourne, Australia. We love y'all as well. Can't wait to come see you in Jesus' name. It's going to happen in November. We're going to be there for your wedding. And I'm bringing everybody from this section with me. They just don't know it yet. We're going to have a lot of fun. And all the rest of the NOLA fam that's around the place, if this is your first time here, welcome home. So glad that you are here. We have been saving your seat for you. We are even introducing a special drink in the coffee bar just for you. And you can go get it for free today. Just tell them, hey, Pastor Monty said you can have it. And there you go. I don't even know if they're serving after the sermon, but now they are. See how that works? When you're the pastor and you don't know things, you just make crap up as you go. It's kind of working out well. Keep your Bibles open to the book of Esther. We're going to be diving in. Over the last month and a half, we have been in this series that we are calling, calling. Everybody say calling. And what we're trying to do is let you see that there's a whole lot more to the calling that is on your life than your title, your position, or even your activity. In fact, there's, a, there's this big notion in the world today that we need to be chasing purpose. We need to discover what our purpose is. We need to be looking for our purpose because, y'all, we are addicted to the notoriety that comes from someone noticing what we do. And here's the deal. When we chase purpose, all we're doing is feeding our pride centers. We're getting all hyped up on the things that we've done, the things that we've gathered, and the things that we know. But here's the deal. Calling has nothing to do with your activity in your life. Calling is directly pointing to your identity, and our identity comes from the one and true only identity of the Almighty God. Because of who Jesus is, we get to find out who we are. Amen. So we have been preaching through the six primary patriarchs from the Old Testament that give us a good description of what calling looks like. We started with Abraham, and then last Sunday we ended with Joshua. If you missed any of it, you can go to the NOLA Church YouTube channel, go to nolachurch.com. If you have the app, they're also there. You can get caught up on all of the sermons that way. If you like podcasts, you can find our podcast on, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify Podcasts. So, now you know how to get caught up. Nobody can say, I didn't hear that sermon. That's kind of on you, boo, because we just throw it out there. We want you to stay connected with where we are, but we're closing out this part of the series, and we're not done talking about calling. Over the next couple of months and maybe even all the way into July, God is going to be peeling back layers of what calling actually looks like and how we take the steps beyond this place. So y'all excited about this? Next few months going into quarter two next week, group Sunday starting. I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be fun, y'all. But today, because I've preached about six patriarchs, there is a notion in Christianity that God only talks to men, which is not the case at all. There's also this notion in Christianity that women are secondary to men. That's also not true. And if I didn't agree with that, God put me in the wrong family because I got a house full of ladies. I got four daughters. I got a wife. I got two little puppy dogs. They're both ladies. And they're just like, I'm surrounded by all the chicks. One day, they're going to take care of me, and it's going to be awesome. 
I don't want no boys changing my diaper. I got four girls to change my diaper when I get older. Can't wait. I changed yours. It's your turn. Amen. I'll be 50 years old this year, and I can't wait to try on my first old man panties. It's going to be awesome. But that being said, <laughs> if this is your first time here, I'm very sorry. I don't know what is wrong with the preacher today. <laughs> they put too many shots in his coffee, and it's just it's crazy. But, but, but the really cool thing is God works in available individuals. What determines usefulness in God's economy? Everybody say availability. God doesn't care what color your skin is. God doesn't care if you're male or you're female. God doesn't care if you're rich or you're poor. God does not even care if you can read and write or if you have no clue how to even get started. God doesn't care if you're young, if you're old. He does not care about any things or any of the things that the world society focuses on even as they try to attempt to tell you that they're not focused on that. None of that determines your availability to God. The one thing that determines if you are going to be useful in God's economy is simply your availability to him. When he says, come here, if you say, yes, I can do that. I may not know all this stuff. I may not understand everything. I may not even fully get where you're taking me, but I trust that you are there and I am willing to rely on you to carry me from point A to point B and I will obey everything that you say because I know that you are the one true living God and you're way better at being God than I am. I will trust you. I will rely on you and I will obey you and that, my friend, is everything that it takes to be put into a position of usefulness for God. And Esther is a story that, let's just be real, there's a lot of debate. And some of you may know this, some of you may not. Esther is actually, it's been debated if it should even be included in the Word of God. Miss Pam's already preaching with me. She don't tell me what I'm going to say. You don't even know where I'm going. You didn't read my notes. I'm just kidding. Here's the deal. There's controversy over Esther's inclusion in the text. There's a lot of reasons for that. We could, we could get into those reasons, but those are immaterial. But one of the primary reasons is they weren't really sure who wrote the book. But if you start spending some time studying the writings and the teachings and the oral arguments of the ancient Jewish sages, they believe that Mordecai was actually the original author of the book. He's writing this story, not through the lens of his own eyes, but he's telling the story as if he's watching what happened. This is what they firmly believe. But one of the other reasons that the book is debated is this is one of the books of the Bible that never mentions God one time. How many of y'all did not know that? I did not, I'm just kidding, I did know that. But the, the book of Esther never mentions God in any way, shape, matter, or form. And people say, well, if it's going to be in, in the Word of God, it's going to have to mention God, right? But then you spend a little bit of time studying, and if you understand what was happening historically, you see, this is happening when Persia was the primary ruler of the world. And what they would do, anything that was written during this reign, they would go in and they would change the names of any powerful figures or even any deities or any of the gods of the world they would change the names to one of their pagan gods. didn't matter what was written. If there was a central figure in a story and that central figure did something awesome, they would change the name to the king at the time. And what was really cool, they would rewrite a story after a king died and rewrite it with a new king in the position of the hero. Because what it was all about, it was all about what the people had accomplished and the virility of the nation and the powerfulness of, of, the, of, of just the monarchy and everything that was involved in this. And the, and the ancient Jewish sages say the reason that Mordecai did not include God's name in the text is he did not want God's name changed into a pagan God's name or even some pagan king's name. 
But here's what you see as you read through the story of Esther. You see the providence of God permeating through every chapter, through everything that happens, through every little thing that pops up, through every controversy, through every crisis, through every potential danger. You can see the presence of God sitting there saying, I've got you through the whole thing. And the reason that Esther's story is so powerful for us as we examine what it means to be a God-called believer is we can see what it looks like when you don't even see God's name in your situation, my friend. You can depend on the fact that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. We find our our main figure in in the story, Mordecai. He's been entrusted with his niece's care. And his family member, her mom and her dad, had passed away. We don't really know the circumstance, what is here, but they were there and now they're not. They probably, like, maybe they were killed in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the exile from the land of God into the land of Persia. Who knows? Who knows when this happens? But they are not in the story. And he has been entrusted the care of Hadassah, later known as Esther. What's really interesting is The next verse tells us that Mordecai raised Esther as if she were his own daughter. He took personal responsibility for everything in this young lady's life. I want to drop down to verse 10, and I'm going to be hopping through chapters 2, 3, and 4, so keep your Bibles handy. It's okay if we do Bible study on Sunday morning? Praise God. I want you to drop down to verse 10. I want you to see something. Now, Esther had not disclosed her people or her lineage, for Mordecai had instructed her not to do so. Why? I'm jumping over things in the story, but basically what happens is the king of the day, Xerxes I, if you're a historian or if you like to study ancient history, Xerxes I is the king here, and he has this big banquet pointing to how great and awesome he is, and he says, hey, Somebody, go get my wife and bring her in here so I can put her on display in front of everybody. He wanted to objectify his wife in front of the entire kingdom and show everybody not only she would obey him, but how beautiful she was, which really pointed to how awesome he was for making that choice. Somebody know that when you begin to objectify people over anything, you lower them to nothing more than a piece of meat. You need to remind yourself when the enemy starts objectifying you, no, I am created in the image and likeness of the one true almighty God. I look like Jesus. I walk like Jesus. I talk like Jesus. And when I get filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm full of Jesus. Y'all ain't going to preach with me. I can already tell. All right, then I'll just continue with the story. So the... (laughs) The king calls for Queen Vashti. He says, yo, Vashti, come on in. Show everybody how hot you are. And Xerxes learned a valuable lesson. Happy wife, happy life. Vashti was not at all happy with Xerxes. First off, he had a stupid name. Secondly, she said, I'm not going in there. She refused, and he gets all ticked off. Oh my, how dare you not obey me, submit or burn woman. I don't ever recommend, fellas, that you throw that scripture out there. That will not bode well for you. If you're dating, do not even memorize that scripture. (laughs) If you're married, unlearn it. There are two words that you need to, husbands, any any husbands in the room? Give me a, all right, there we go. I'm going to give you two words that you need to memorize and you will have a happy marriage until the day that you die. Yes, dear. You're welcome. There you go. That's our relationship series for the year. Yes, dear. But I don't agree, tough. She's prettier than you are. Have you seen yourself? Anyway, but anyway, let's move right on. Let's move right along. 
So he calls her in. She says no. And he goes, this is not going to stand. And he had some people talking in his ear, feeding his pride. How many of y'all know that there are people, when you get challenged, they're going to get in your ear and tell you the thing that you want to hear to make you feel good. By the way, this is why you don't go to Facebook when something challenges you in life because you'll get a lot of affirmation society people just kind of telling you how awesome you are. It's going to make you make bad decisions. He says, well, I'm done with Vashti. And they're like, you know what you ought to do? You ought to throw out a pole and get all the hotties of the kingdom. You ought to bring them in and you ought to take your pick of the litter. And this is what happens. And Hadassah, Esther, this Hebrew lady being raised to follow God, being raised to follow the teachings of what we know as Torah, the first five books of the Bible, knowing this, knowing all the stories, she gets caught up in what the world is doing. It's completely out of her control. Next thing you know, she's been picked up and carried off to the harem at the palace. This is everything against everything that she is. I'm not going to make this an R-rated sermon, but they were not just going to have dinner. They were not just going to introduce themselves to each other and then write notes. Do you like me? Check yes or no. That's not what was going to happen. The king was literally going to take them into a chamber and literally violate them by his right as a king. And if he enjoyed it, that was going to be the one that he got to choose. Like That doesn't sound godly. It's not. And Mordecai sees what happens and he's like, oh my God, this person, this treasure that I've been entrusted responsibility of is being shoved into a world that does not agree with anything that I've taught. You can almost see Mordecai in the position of a pastor. I've cared for you. I've poured into you. I've taught you things that you need to know. I've given you everything that you need to go out into the dark, dark, crazy world and then you're robbed from my grasp and I can't control what's happening in your life anymore and you're going to have to stand on your own and the world is going to violate you. But I want you to see this in verse 10. Esther did not disclose who she really was. Why? Because the person that had spiritual responsibility for her said, it's not the time. Look at your neighbor and say, now's not the time. The core team's laughing because that's, that's one of Pastor Matt's favorite statements, now's not the time. You, you can't aggravate Pastor Matt. You can't. He's like the most chill individual. But when you hit up right on the edge of that thing and his North Louisiana starts coming out, now's not the time. And you're just like. But what's interesting here, Esther was not disclosing who she was because the spiritual leader in her life said, it's not time for you to be revealed Yet, here's the problem that we have. As we get equipped, we come to church, we get equipped. Remember, go back a little bit where we found out that Sunday is not game day. Sunday is actually practice. Game day is Monday through Saturday, right? And we come to church and we get filled up. We get set on fire. We get all pumped up. They start singing one of those songs. They're like, ah, and you fall out and it's just awesome. You get all pumped out and you're ready like, I'm going to go tell everybody that I heard somebody speak in tongues. And they're like, I don't even know what that is. Now's not the time. Sometimes it's okay to not tell the world who you are because you're not completely ready for the place that you're calling is transporting you. God's got a plan, but you're not there yet. Are we there yet? No, you're not. You're not there yet. I want to drop down to verse 20 in chapter 2. We find out that in the previous verses that the king raped all these women and said, I like Esther the best. And he places the crown on her head and not by choice, but because of the law. She is put into a position that she never asked to be put into. 
Sound familiar? That sucked all the life out of the room, didn't it? In the midst of this, Mordecai is still influencing her. He can't be a part of everything that goes on in her life. He can't tell her what to do next in every situation. He's got to rely on the fact that he taught her truth. And then every now and then he gets to drop back in her life and say, yo, yo, Hadassah, let me tell you something that, that I learned. This is what we see happening. But what I, what I love is that in verse 20, we find out that Esther was still not divulging her lineage or her people just as Mordecai had instructed her. And notice this, Esther continued to do whatever Mordecai said just as she had done when he was raising her. Hear me, hear me. God called child of God. You need a pastor. And even when your pastor is not with you, don't forget the God truth that your pastor taught you. It's not time for you to step into your glory. It's not time for you to say, I'm the greatest thing since liquid cheese. When you get put into the dark, dark, crazy, evil world, it's time to remember the instruction. It's time to remember the truth that you receive when you stepped into the safety zone of the house of God. Hang on to the truth. Well, I don't agree with everything that the pastor says. Take it up with God because the pastor works for him. Say, why are you talking about this? We got church trouble. No, we don't have church trouble. I don't want church trouble. So I'm getting out ahead of it because here's what I know. God does not just drop responsibility on a congregation because it seems cool. God doesn't have organizations from all over the world start showing up and dropping 18-wheelers full of stuff into our warehouse that very soon and very soon is going to be our new worship space just because we said drop them off. That'd be really cool. Like, hey, just come drop them. That doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that, that churches that you have never even met, the pastors or the team show up and say, can you come show us how to do what God has already showed you how to do. And I, what I don't want anyone to do is say, oh, look how great NOLA Church is. Nope. It's not about the logo. It's not about the photo op. It's not about notoriety. It's all about the kingdom of God. Amen? It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about spreading the gospel to the world. But I've been around this long enough to know fifth generation Pentecostal preacher on both sides of my family. I've been around this long enough to know that when God begins to entrust responsibility into a congregation, that he's got something planned that's beyond them. And I want us, before we step into the next thing, in fact, let me rephrase that. Jesus Christ wanted you to hear today, there is going to be a darkness that comes on you. There's going to be something placed around you that you didn't ask for. And in this moment, you need to remember the instruction that you heard from the person that God put in responsibility in your life. It's not control, it's not domination, it's not manipulation, it's responsibility. I have a responsibility not to tell you my opinion, but to speak the truth of the word of God to you because where the Lord is taking this church, where the Lord is taking you as a believer is a place that is beyond the comfort of normal Christianity. We started off this series learning that calling literally takes us by the hair and yanks us out of comfort. The moment we get comfortable, that's when we're walking away from our calling. Calling is going to mess you up. Calling is going to tire you out. Calling is going to make you want to go lay down in the corner in the fetal position, stick your thumb in your mouth and say, Mama! Because calling is heavy. 
I don't want to do it. It's not about doing. It's about being. Calling is who you are. When he stretched himself on the cross and paid the price for your sin and you say, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And Jesus, you're the only God. You are the only one who can save. And you receive him into your life in this moment. He begins to pull on you. And when he pulls on you, he's got to take you through the place that you're not comfortable. My mind immediately goes into the New Testament. Jesus is walking along with these 12 teenagers that he calls disciples and they're walking along and they're having to go from point A to point B and right smack dab in the middle of the journey is this place that no Orthodox Jew would go to because they were racist and they looked down their nose at them. I'm going to walk around this ward. I'm going to walk around this neighborhood. When I pull up next to this neighborhood at the, at the light, I'm going to reach over and make sure my doors are locked. I'm going to hang out with the people that look like me because I'm comfortable with the people who look like me. I'm comfortable with the people who vote the way that I do as if that matters to a hill of beans. We look for these comfortable places and God says, no, where I have called you is not and will never be comfortable. I'm going to take you by the hand and I'm going to lead you into a radical life change because you're going to lead some very hurting people into some radical life change. And if you get comfortable, you're going to be ineffective. But we see Esther, even in the discomfort, she's in the palace. Everybody say, in the palace. She is the queen, yet she is still not divulging her lineage or her people. And She continued to do whatever Mordecai told her to do. She didn't let go. I'm not with my church family right now. Maybe they won't see the post that I'm posting. I'm not with my church family right now. The standards don't matter. You know what? I, I'm not around. Yeah, there's, there's no other believers. I can do what I want, right? My oldest daughter, that's her favorite phrase. I do what I want. She's joking. She better be. <laughs> like we have to remember, we've got responsibility to what has been entrusted to us even when we stand alone. Just because you're in an elevated position doesn't mean your identity changed because your position has nothing to do with your identity. You see, Esther wore the crown, but Esther was not a queen. She was a child of God. And she refused to forget who she really was. How many times do we forget our calling when we get uncomfortable? How many times do we forget who he designed us to be when we're in a place that does not match the practice field? This okay this morning? Let's look over. Chapter 4, I'm going to skip chapter 3, and I'm, I want to go over to verse 4 of chapter 4. Just hop right into the middle of this. In, 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 the, in the midst of chapter 3, here's what we learn. There's somebody who gets mad at Mordecai because Mordecai refuses to abandon his identity and worship another person. And this person gets mad, gets all ticked off, runs to the king. This king, by the way, is very easily manipulated. Just read this story. He is affected by everybody else's opinion. By the way, don't chase a leader who can be swayed that easily. If they're telling you everything that you want to know and everything that you want to hear, they're probably not a leader. Just That's free. You can take that and do with it what you want. This man, Haman, decided that Mordecai needed to die because Mordecai refused to bow down and honor his position. Mordecai said, no, I'm a child of God. I don't bow to nobody. I worship the one true living God. I don't worship you, Haman. You seem like a nice guy, but uh-uh, ain't gonna happen. I don't care what your position is in the government. I'm not worshiping you. I don't care how many followers you have on TikTok. I'm not worshiping you. I don't care how much you made in the last movie. I don't care how much pre-sales you got off of the last tune you dropped. I'm not bowing down to you. There's only one God. His name is Jesus. And I would much rather worship him than worship you. He refuses to bow. And so Haman says, he, he, he got to die. 
Zerk, he's got to die. And Zerk says, kill him. But he goes, I, I don't want to just take care of Haman. I want there to be, at a set period of time, I want everybody that is just like Haman to be wiped out. Because you see, in the midst of all this, Haman found out who Mordecai was. And instead of attacking Mordecai, he decided to attack the one who gave Mordecai identity. I want you to kill Mordecai, but I want you to kill all the Hebrews. We need to eradicate this group of people from the earth because they worship another God. They need to be gone. Xerxes like, make it happen. Interesting thing, Xerxes has no idea that his queen is a Hebrew because it wasn't time. We find here at the end of verse 4, Mordecai is wearing sackcloth and ashes, which was the, the garment to display I'm in a time of mourning and I'm in a time of fasting and prayer because I need direction from God. And he, he's wearing this outside of the, the castle. He, he's not doing this to draw attention to himself. His position was to go stand outside of, of the palace gate and do his job. He didn't stop doing his job just because things started getting rough. He didn't change who he was. He just decided, you know what, Jesus, you're going to work with me today. When's the last time you brought Jesus to work day? Maybe that's why your job sucks so bad. Ask him to sit down in the cubicle with you. Ask him to help you take that call that you don't want to take. Ask him to walk into the meeting with the boss, the person that you don't even want to talk to. Ask him to take care of it before you ever get there. See what will happen. What's the worst that can happen? It get better? I can, I'm not going to stay there, but I could. Let me, let me progress further. Is that okay? He's wearing the garment of his mourning and his repentance. And Esther sees what's going on. She's like, oh, snap. This is not good. No, 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 no. She gives her servant some clothing. You've got to go tell Mordecai to change his clothes. And I love what we see here. Although Esther sent garments for Mordecai to put on so that he could remove his sackcloth, he would not accept them because he refused to break his dedication even though he was being challenged. How many times do we let go of a commitment to God just because it gets tough? I need to step back. I need some me time. <laughs> Pastor, you making fun? You better believe I am. I'm making fun of me. You just happen to be in the room when I'm doing it. Because when we get that feeling of overwhelm, we're like, oh, I got to pull back. And we drop our dedications. And we begin to self-medicate on any number of substances and any number of bad relationships and any number of negative inputs, we begin to self-medicate and we, need to, we start fixing on the thing that's actually hurting us instead of leaning into our identity and remembering I am a God-called child of the Almighty. Does not matter what position I'm in, I'm still a God called child of the one true living, almighty, never ending, always present, all powerful, almighty God. I love that song we sang, A Thousand Names. I love that. It's just amazing. Just remind yourself just how awesome Jesus is. He never stops being God, no matter what is happening in our situation. And Mordecai said, Yeah, it's tough right now. It's not good. It's not a good political climate for me right now, Esther. Thank you for your concern, but I am a dedicated child of God and I will not forget who I am. Just because I've been revealed out of time does not mean that my God is wrong. Just because it got uncomfortable does not mean that my identity changes. Praise God. I wish somebody would preach with me this morning. You need to remember who you are. It doesn't matter what happens. Yes, it's bad. Yes, the world is getting bad. It's getting rough. We don't know what's going to happen in the world. But are you a child of God? They invaded. Does that stop God from being God? 
They voted this in, but does that stop God from being God? And if he's God, who are we? Not what are we doing, who are we? We may be in a palace, we may be in a pit, we may be in a prison. You may be on the backside of the wilderness, but you're a God-called child of the Almighty. Don't forget who you are just when the adversary comes in. Y'all gonna make me get Pentecostal all over again. Don't forget who you are just because it's an inconvenient time. He talks to Esther. You, Esther, you gotta go talk to your husband. You got I mean, he's easily manipulated. We can see that. Can you get in there? Show him a little leg, see if it'll change his mind. Y'all were thinking it. Put on your eyelash extensions to do that at him. I don't know what she was going to do to get his attention. Like Mordecai was just like, you got to do something because if you don't do something, we're all under attack. And I'm coming to you, Esther, because I invested in you. I didn't change the word of God. I didn't break anything down. I didn't change any of the rules. I didn't change any of this to make it convenient. I told you the truth and now you're in the position to do the thing that God has designed you to do. It's time. And she goes, hold up. Uncle Morty. I don't know if she called him that, but that's what I'm calling Like, dude, like, I, I, hear, I hear you. But if any man or, or woman comes uninvited to the king's inner court, that person is going to be put to death. You know this. You're a member of the government. You know this. You know that if I do this, I am dead. I can't be effective if I'm dead, right? How dare you ask me to do something that interferes with my comfort? Right? Sound familiar? It, that's what we all say. We get uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't want to die. That person's going to be put to death unless, everybody say unless. unless. Isn't it interesting? God always provides a way of escape. No matter what we're going through. You need to look for the unless in the middle of the trial. You need to look for the unless in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the violence, in the middle of the, just the cacophony of the noise. Just say, where's the unless? Because he will not put anything in, on you that you can't bear and that he has not already provided a way of escape out of. But you have to find the unless. And you have to go to the unless. A person is going to be put to death unless the king extends to him or her the gold scepter preventing them to be spared. But Uncle Morty, just in case you are unaware, you may not fully understand the, the situation. I haven't been invited to come to the king for some 30 days. Honeymoon's over. He thought I was cute. I haven't been there for a minute. The people at my job aren't noticing me as much as they used to. I'm not getting the good promotions anymore. All my friends at school that used to give me an opportunity to shine the light and love of Jesus to them, now they've got a brick wall between me and them. My kids stop listening to me. I try to tell them to, to follow Jesus, and they're like, blank word you, Dad, and then they like just walk away. Think Things are getting tough in my life. I haven't been in front of the king for a minute. Now is not the time. You, you told me, Mordecai, it wasn't time for me to reveal myself. And now you're asking me to step up and use the influence that God entrusted to me for something that he designed. How dare you ask me to do that? No, no. This is very, very inconvenient. Let me tell you a real, everybody say real, real, inconvenient truth. 
Here's the real inconvenient truth. The real inconvenient truth is this. God is going to take you out of time and put you in a position where the only thing that will influence the situation is the identity that he entrusted to you. This is what he is doing. Tell him I said hi. He's not doing this because it's convenient. He's not doing this because it's, un because it's comfortable. He's doing it because it's time for you to be effective and engage in the place that he trusted your identity. Let's drop down a little bit further. Go, go over to verse 14. Like in verse 13, he's like, hey, don't, don't imagine that you're going to escape what's about to happen because I promise you, somebody's going to find out who you really are. And don't think just because you're in the palace that this punishment's not coming down on you. Verse 14, he says, if you keep quiet at this time, liberation and protection from the Jews will appear from another source while you and your father's household perish. But it may very well be that you have achieved some royal status for such a time as this. This one grabbed me. I'm coming to a close. This one grabbed me. Didn't sit well with me. I've, as I told you, I, I grew up in church. I grew up in a pastor's home. I grew up hearing one of the greatest men of God, one of the greatest preachers who's ever walked the face of the earth preach the word. Spent time in direct study with some of the greatest men and women of God. Pastor Anthony and Mama Vesta have poured into me. Some friends here from Alexandria, so glad you're here. Thank y'all for loaning Robert to us. But I've spent some time learning the word of God and I thought I understood what this was but when I was reading this getting ready for today's sermon God was just like that's not what it means what you thought maybe that's what it meant in that setting you were in but you're in a different setting now he says if you keep quiet at this time liberation and protection rescue will appear from another source what's he talking about started digging into this. Here's what I began to learn. He was not telling her to lose her junk. He was not telling her to get all up and all frizzled and frazzled and go make a stink. He wasn't telling her to gather with a bunch of people and like write some signs and put them on sticks and go and start protesting. He wasn't telling her to go try to change legislation. What he was telling her is this. Rest in your identity. You don't readily see that. Right now you're like, I don't see it. Okay, that's cool. Let me show it to you. Her entire life he's been saying, now's not the time to reveal who you are. But at the perfect moment, he says, now's the time. He was not telling her to pull rank as queen. Read this. He never says anything about her being queen. In fact, he says, you're queen. Nothing more than the opportunity. Everything he says up to this point dealing with the issue has to do with her being a child of God. He's not telling her to go in there and queen this situation. He's telling her to be called. Remember her calling. Go step into the place of opportunity where you have influence, not because of your title, but because of your identity. He was not asking her to speak as the queen of Persia. He was commanding her to speak as a woman of God. 
Her influence in the situation had nothing to do with the fact that she had been raped by the ruler of the world. It had to do with the fact that she had been taught covenant with the Almighty. And he's saying, now is the time. If you had stopped this from happening, that would have been your queenness. But now's the time for your identity to affect some change. And I don't need you to say anything. I just need you to go in and reveal who you are to the man who loves you. It started off negative, but the Bible says that he fell in love with her. The man loves you. Don't go pull rank. Go peel back the mask and let him know who you really are because he has no idea that this law he's passed is coming for you. Rest in your identity and your liberation and your protection, which is your escape, which is your deliverance. In other words, I want you to rest in who you are and take a stand without doing this. You don't need to protest. You don't need to pontificate. You don't need to say a word. Just be who you are. Why is calling and purpose not the same thing? Because purpose is your activity. Calling is your identity. Sometimes you just need to close your mouth and be who you are. And rescue is going to come from another source. What is the other source? This is one of these places that Mordecai didn't put the name of God, but you see the divine providence. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. I will not abandon you, but I will come to you. And I will no longer be with you. I will be in you. but you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I've walked alongside you. Now I want to be in you. I want you to see what your identity really is all about. If you try to do this, queen, nothing's going to happen. But child of God, if you stand up and rest in the identity of the Almighty, He will be our deliverance. This entire series, I've talked about title and position not being what we look for or what we should look for. That is what we look for because we're human, right? You're in a church with a bunch of humans, in case you didn't know that. Welcome to earth. It's awesome. trying to take you to our leader. <laughs> but your calling is going to transport you into position, not give you a position. Your calling will pick you up and transport you into a position where influence can be effective. It may very well be that you have received this position. You have achieved royal status for such a time as this. Why am I here? Why am I here? Why, why did God pick me up and move me here? Why did God transport me here? Why am I doing, why am I here? for right now because now is the time. Why did God allow this church along with a lot of other people and I'm talking specifically about this congregation why did God allow this congregation to go through the hell of 2021? Because he knew what Q1 of 22 was going to carry for us. And he knew that he would, if he placed us in the palace, we were faithful in the middle of the pit and he put us in the palace so that we could be influential here and now. 
I don't have time right now to go into all the details of the, of the responsibility that is being entrusted to the congregation that you call home. But let me just put it like this in, in a thumbnail. God turned on the light and said, they can handle this, not because of what they've done, but because of who they are. What happened before we went into 2020? We went into the prayer room and we got down on our knees and we started praying. And now we're a 24 7, 365, five a year prayer room and we don't stop praying. And God says, okay, I can work with that. Now you know who you are. Let me transport you into a position. Now I'm going to give you responsibility in all these other places. Who knows? But what we went through, Hurricane Ida, for such a time as the tornado who knows but what we went through a pandemic for such a time as post pandemic who knows but what we went through the time of peace to hold the hands of hurting people as the world turns to war who knows child of God but what you went through all the hell that you went through in your life to get you to this place. And God says, you were faithful in that. I can trust you with this. Who knows? Because now's the time. This is not going to be on the screen, but I love Esther's response. You got to go back. And everything we've learned up to this point, everything we learned about her character, whatever Mordecai told her to do, she did. Wherever he told her to go, she, she went because she obeyed that leader who was in her life. She didn't push back on the leader. She asked questions. There's nothing wrong with asking questions. She didn't always understand. She didn't want to debate the leader. She just said, okay, you, yes, I will do what you want me to do because I trust you because you're carrying me. He gets done talking to her, reminding her who she is. And she says, I'm going to the prayer room. I'm not going to isolate myself, but I'm going to the prayer room. I'm going to fasting, and I'm going to fast. We talk all the time about the Daniel's fast because that seems cool and it's trendy, but what about the three-day Esther fast? Here's the reason, because we don't like it. Because she said, I'm going to fast, and I'm going to pray. This is the part we don't like. And if I die, I die. God you gave me influence. If it kills me, so be it. If they unfriend me on social media, so be it. If they cancel me, so be it. If they walk away from me, if they don't understand me, so be it. If the consequences come at me, let the consequences be damned because whatever my God calls me to do, I'm not going to forget who I am. So I'm going to find my victory right here, right now, in the middle of the prayer room. I'm going to say, God, whatever you've designed me to be, that's where I'm going to go first. The enemy may have you in this exact position. In fact, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but there's somebody in this room right now that you've been going through absolute holy hell in your life and you don't know how to turn. You don't know what to do. I'm here to remind you not of your position, not of your title, not of your accomplishments, not of any of that stuff. I want to remind you who you are. You are the apple of God's eye. You are the masterpiece. You are the epitome of everything that he created. That's why he robed himself in flesh, lived, died, resurrected, and is wanting to fill you with his spirit right now so you can see exactly what he wants to do in you. So here's what I want us to do here at the end of this sermon. I want everybody to close your eyes. Every hand be lifted right now. Jesus, you see us right here in this place. Here in just a second, I'm going to open up these altars, dear God. But Lord, I'm praying that in the name of Jesus, that you begin to flood this place with your spirit. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would begin to flood this place with the power of who you are, with the power of your identity, Jesus. Lord, let somebody see who they are because of who you are. In the name of Jesus. Come on, church, let's pray.